the Cardboard Mechanics Podcast, where we take a look under the hood of board games and talk about the mechanisms and narratives that drive design. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm John Angry Tetris. And I'm Aaron Wilson, and that's Internet Magic. And today we're going to be going over the, the time track uh, a mechanic that uh, gets better with age. Yeah, so this is something that we talked about last time when we talked about rondelles. I think one of the things we realized that there's sort of this cross section of games where time tracks uh, can be confused with other types of uh, track movement. That's one of the mechanics listed on BGG is sort of this overarching mechanic that kind of these other mechanics fit into one of those being the rondelle, I think, uh, the other being a time track. And and sometimes, um, you know, anybody can put that information into BGG and you, you know, as a publisher or as a designer might add a mechanic that's not quite, maybe not right, or, or maybe it's just not as agreed upon as being that particular mechanic. So some of the games that we had seen as rondelles on BGG, we're going to talk about again because we consider those time tracks. And I think uh, to some degree, they're, they're, there's sort of that Venn diagram where it can be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, I think it's a thing where like a lot, a lot of games fall into a direct bucket. Um, you know, it's very hard to just say, uh, you know, because a lot of games are going to innovate and kind of use the mechanics in new, different, and interesting ways. And it's not always useful to try and put something into these rigid categories all the time. I think it's also kind of important to just get the feel of it. Like, what does this mechanic feel like? So, you know, a time track, it's fine. You know, uh, there's a linear time track with many spaces. Each player has a marker on the track, which indicates where they are in time. Markers farther on the track are farther forward in time player lowest on the track, which is the furthest back, gets to take the next action. So it kind of has this this push and pull feel where uh, usually you kind of have this pull of, do I want to do this really good thing or do I want to do a lot of little okay things? And that's kind of the main pull of the mechanic. And so while some games are going to be more traditional and kind of use it exactly uh, exactly as what it says on the cover, a lot of games kind of just have that feel to it, right? And it was kind of the same way with the Rondelle, where we, we explored a lot of games that it's it's like a Rondelle. And I mean, if we try to make these very hard, firm definitions, you know, really, we're not doing a lot of help. Um, we're kind of yeah. looking for the feel, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, it doesn't be- benefit the game to do stick to rigid definitions, right? A lot of these games are going to be loose. And, and that's that's the glory of games is that they're all going to do something in their own way. So I think we're going to kind of talk about this time track and how, uh, you know, kind of that old style and how a lot of newer games are doing kind of a new fresh take on time tracks in a different way uh, that I think is really exciting and interesting. And it's a good mix up. So I, I think we've got a lot of games to talk about and explore how they use this mechanic um, and, and kind of w- what it does for a game. Yeah. One thing I want to mention is that, you know, when we talked about rondelles, I think PGG had listed, what, 150 thereabouts. And we've got over 400 um, <laughs> games that are listed as time tracks. So, yeah, I mean, we obviously we haven't played all of them or probably even no, oh, I have. Them, yeah, but yeah, I have. <laughs> John has, <laughs> um, but but I think you know. First thing we're going to talk about is is kind of 
the games that we have played, and especially most recently, John and I played Glenmore, and we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. We actually think that that deserves its own entire episode, so we may get into that next time mm-hmm. uh, even more. But this go, we're going to basically touch upon some of the games that we know and like that we played uh, with a time track that sort of being mm-hmm. behind, uh, being able to go a little bit ahead to lose some time or lose some actions just to get what mm-hmm. you want. Um what is what do you think? What's the first thing, the first game we got on our list here? Yep. So first one I want to talk about, and this is interesting because I have to call it out before I get called out, is Sealand. Because yeah. I, I mentioned it in a Rondell episode, and to me, I, I did this on purpose. The game is both a Rondell and a time track in, in in a way, right? So so the main mechanic of the game is that, and what I mentioned in the Rondell episode, you have a piece that moves around and that determines what piece you get, but it does go in a clockwise turn order. Um, and so this is kind of that, uh, I mentioned a fresher take. This is a little bit of an older game, but, um, you know, it, it is kind of a, a fresher take on the time track where it goes clockwise, but there's a time track that's utilized that determines how many spaces you can move the piece for the rondelle. So it actually combines both in a really interesting way. And I think it's a really good game that anybody should uh, def- definitely like take a look at. So there's like a, yeah, yeah, there's a ring of coins and in, in like a lot of rondelle games, you can pay to move forward, to move further forward, to pick the tile you want. And so the time track determines the rondelle. It's like a super neat little mix up. Um, and the rest of the game is kind of like placing these pieces out in fields and trying to uh, score points off of that. But it's it's a super neat game to uh, definitely pick up on. Um, and one that I don't see talked about ever. And I think it's it's a charming little game. I, I think it's super fun. And, and that's kind of the the newer take on the time track too, where the time track, a lot of times it's a player in back that gets to go. This one goes clockwise. So we kind of have those two styles where does the player in back go or does the you know next right. player go? So it's like, does, yeah. And that's kind of a philosophical question too, right? Does the effect of the turn order, does that change the definition of a time track? Or does it, does that require that the turn order be affected? I think I think not, but I think that it's it's an attribute that seems to be part of that traditional time track. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it's necessary to to that it has to be there in order for it to be a time track. No, I don't, I don't think it's its own separate category or anything. Um, I think a you know a a, a square is a rectangle. Right. Um, so they're all different <laughs> types of rectangles. So, you know, it, it's like they all kind of fall in the same family. But I just always think it's interesting to see how they utilize it because um, as we're going to explore, there are a couple games where it's always the player in back who moves. And so what you're giving up is the urgency of doing things because maybe the turn order matters and when you're doing things matter. I can see a few games on my list that are, are definitely going to feel that way. And then in other games, you're just simply giving up... Um, maybe a bulk of actions for an urgency of actions because you're going clockwise. So it's always, you know, everybody else gets a turn. I go, then everyone else goes once, then it's back to me. So going farther forward, um, I am claiming that piece, but I know it'll be my turn soon, right? Uh, So it's a a different implication, different use of the same thing. But, um, and so like when I say traditional time track, I'm not trying to be like divide divisive here and you know oh well it has to be a tradition no it's fine they're all they're all i mean in their own bucket our podcast in and of itself is sort of pedantic in that we're trying to really put you know these these walls up around what these mechanics are and are not but i but i think it's you know it's it's kind of a fun process in order for us to to try to really 
have a better understanding for how and why these things work. I mean, as designers, I think it's helpful for us um, knowing really knowing the the traditional ways things work helps us also kind of think about other ways and twists we can put on mm-hmm. mechanics in order to try to find some unique kind of angle uh, and put those into our design. So it is helpful to to try to define these in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, so you know, you say something interesting there about being behind and going forward. I, you know, I want to talk about the game uh, Rocky Road a la mode, and mm-hmm. and that's something you said that you, you've not played, but you have interest in. Yep. And that's I a game that I have. <laughs> yeah, it's ice cream. It's great. Uh, that's by Josh Mills and Green Couch Games. It's a game that my kids really like. My my daughter still loves uh, Rocky Road a la mode, and not just because the the art by um, uh, uh, MacGyver, Adam MacGyver. Yeah, yeah, Adam. Yeah, thank you. It's so super colorful, um, awesome, but it's definitely a time track. You have these little truck meeples, uh, these ice cream truck meeples that are just amazing, um, and you're moving them around these this road that's just a circle. Uh, it's actually a rectangle, <laughs> and and uh, you're you're taking cards that have numbers on them, and the number is sort of represented by this like song it's like how how long is the song playing that's that's in this particular order uh from these people and if it's a three you move three spaces up um it's going to get you more points or it's going to get you more stuff uh it's sort of a splendor mechanic where you're you're building this tableau that's giving you kind of these permanent symbols that can buy you uh get your orders filled faster um and the higher numbers uh, get you more, but move you further up the track. And it's not going to be your turn again until you're in the very, very back once again. So you're sort of losing actions by getting more, um, and, you know, and, and there's that there's that thing where it's balanced. Right. Do you take more, try to get more now or invest uh, to get possibly more points, more things faster uh, by losing your next w- how many ever number of actions or turns that your opponents are going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting decision always. Yep. Yeah, and I think I think kind of think that's what Time Track, uh, with the, the thing I'm seeing when I'm looking at kind of the uh, all, all the games on the Time Track field is it's always that interesting push. And I think that's what it kind of brings to games is the interesting push between, you know, um, you know, in a, in a lot of traditional games, you get one turn and then the next player goes and they get one turn and the next player goes and they get one turn. And in this, with the time track, sometimes you can get a couple actions in a row. You can get a couple things going and you kind of have to balance between do I want something, do I want, you know, quality or quantity, um, you know, is really right. kind of the decision. And, and it's super cool um, for ice cream. I think I want quantity. Uh, but I could see quality being nice too. Yeah. Uh, awkward segue from a game with ice cream trucks to a game with cars. Uh, Craft Wagon is one that I, I really dig. Um, so that one is actually uh, Mattias Kramer, I think. It's the same, it's the same designer as Glenmore. Um, it was kind of a spiritual successor. There was like a little problem with the rights for a while so i think he designed like kind of a new game in the same vein because glenmore was unavailable for a while and this one is kind of based on like traditional cars you're producing engines and bodies to cars and putting them together and selling them to try and make a profit you also build a race car and race around a little track which is uh 
it's not a it's not really a time track but it's it's a little racetrack uh, anyways <laughs> um but yeah so it's got some really cool things going on and it is kind of the more traditional time track where there's like different actions but there's these little action chips that kind of rotate and so you move on this board and when you take an action it goes to the end of the line and so you kind of have that feel of like you know kind of the rondelle where you're going around to pick the actions but the other thing is the competition with the other players where when they take an action space um it goes to the end of the line so it may be a long time till you get access to that action again so you're always kind of jockeying for position um in where in the circle you're at and it did, not only does the player in back get to go next but also how far do I want to go? Because I really want to take that action in particular, but now it's at the end of the line if they go. So you're always kind of fighting each other for like these, these spaces. It's like a really good uh, level of competition. And then on top of that, there's like triggers for the end of each round, which are not necessarily based on the actions that are taken always. Uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, is it not necessarily based on like the number of actions or number of spaces. It's based on more player triggers of like nominating certain things for, like customers to buy cars um, and things like that. So it's it's really interesting how it, it makes the decision space interesting in that um, now when you're giving something up, a, a possibility in an action, you might also be pushing it very far out for even yourself again. So, so it's lots of good competition. And I think it makes, it kind of drives the game pun intentional. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not one that I've played, but it's on my list of, of games to play. I think it has been for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I did enjoy our play of Glenmore the other day when we mm -hmm. played Glenmore too. Um, so there, there's sort of this, there's sort of this thing about time tracks. <clears throat> I feel like it hangs over the design in a way, and I wonder if this is on the mind of a designer. It's like, is someone just gonna play completely badly and? kind of break the experience by just jumping all the way to the end and then not having a turn for like a half an hour hmm. is that is that a possibility um because i think that's that's one thing that kind of scares me about designing a time track is somebody just gonna not know that oops i wait i don't get another turn for how long until yeah. someone leaves me in the back and i i didn't realize that and i jumped all the way to the end here yeah and he maybe or she or they play with people that will not allow them to start over <laughs> right and, and they just have a horrible miserable time trying to figure it out but i'm sure they'll figure it out i, uh, the I next think time they play. i think it's a super exciting thing though it feels powerful when you make that big move and it definitely it's one of those like a lot of euro games don't have super exciting things happening and that's kind of i think some people's like aversion to them is that you know you do the thing you collect the cube you trade two of this cube for one of that cube and then you trade that cube for some number of points and then you know it kind of like to them it's like a lot of stale and i like a lot of those small interactions but um that is one thing the time track can bring to a game is it can bring these big splashy moments of excitement where you're doing this big move. Oh, he moved halfway around the board for that action. Wow. You, it, and like, that's like actually a really exciting thing to see happen. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking, uh, thinking about like, um, when I think about that, I think, I think about um, honestly um, the two player game, which I think is time track adjacent circle the wagons. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a button shy game where you're kind of, um, 
you lay out the circle of cards and one person uh, picks where the circle starts. Um, and the, the other person can jump as far forward as they want and take any card they want. And the other person gets all of them. And so Before there's some, that. yeah. Um, so there's some scoring conditions that tell you what you want. Maybe you want, you want cows or you want bottles or you want connected terrains or whatever. So there's some conditions that tell you what you want. And so you might look at the very next card in the line and go, well, I could just take this card and then they get nothing, but I don't want that card. I want that card, but do I want to give them three cards to get my card or four, you know? And so it can be really interesting to weigh out the balance of that. And I think that game has like those, it's really cool little two player game, kind of thinky, but um, you can definitely play it like super casually, but like it's really cool to think about that splashiness, the explosion of like jumping really far forward, um, you know, and kind of the risk reward penalty of doing so. It's I think yeah. I think it's an exciting mechanic for a Euro game, and we don't see that a ton, you know, yeah. the, in like the traditional Euro space. And I think to answer your question, no, you do not want to give your opponent a bunch of cards <laughs> because it it's an 18 card game. And uh, if Three. they have more cards than you, chances are they'll score higher than you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fair. But, it, you know, in all those games, you kind of have those moments and like, you know, Craftwagon definitely has those moments for sure. Sealand definitely has those moments where it's worth it to jump really far ahead and it can feel really powerful to have that option or to do that thing. And I think it like makes everybody kind of, you know, it's, it's just kind of a little out of the ordinary. You're like, Oh man, he jumped half the board. And I mean, yeah, sure. You can go grab a snack, but you know, yeah. (laughs) One thing I realized when we were playing Glenmore is that you're sort of incentivized to jump far ahead at some point. Once you realize your opponent has a lot less tiles than you, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which is exactly what happened with you and I. Yep. I was like, I was behind on purpose so I could get like more cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I had way too many tiles compared to you, yep. which is not good in that game because you'll be demerited uh, for having those tiles. So I started jumping further ahead thinking, okay, maybe he'll take more tiles in between yep. um, and catch up with me. But you were fully aware that that, that was my strategy and mm-hmm. you had your own strategy. Yeah. So, so to catch, catch, catch people up on that one, uh, for Glenmore actually solves that problem of, well, what if somebody just takes a ton of tiles? What if somebody chooses quantity over quality? Um, and the answer for that one is that at the end of the game, you lose points if you have more tiles than the player with the least. So like every action, you're getting a tile. um, And if you have too many tiles, you're just going to lose a lot of points. So it's sometimes you want to be tight and efficient with a few small tiles. Sometimes you want a lot of sprawling tiles, but you have to make it worth it because you're going to lose points for those. So uh, it it has a really good balance there. Yeah, it's a devastating penalty at the end because, I mean, that's, that's not why I lost. Uh, but it's a huge reason. <laughs> it was um, one of the big yeah. reasons. It can be if you, uh, you know, if you kind of clocked out uh, mentally during the first five minutes and missed that point <laughs> descriptor. And, the, you know, that can happen to all of us. That's fine. <laughs> um, so um, now we're talking about like this kind of massive jump ahead and sitting and waiting for 30 minutes. You know, oh, man, he went all the way ahead. And now I don't, I don't get a turn for a long time. You know, they don't get a turn for a long time. So. I think Takedo actually does a really interesting thing by having checkpoints 
Um, And uh, I guess also to another extent, Heaven and Nail kind of does the same thing too. But let's go over to, and and these two games actually both use the opposite styles. Takedo is the player in back moves next and Heaven and Nail is a clockwise pattern, right? Right. So um, I know Takedo. um, I don't know Heaven and Nail. I think you said you you've played that one more than I. I've... I, I have. I, yeah. I I don't have. I don't. I played it once. So well, I don't have a lot of <laughs> infinitely more than me. Um, yeah. Well, so true. so Takedo, you're kind of going on a journey um, through uh, Japan and kind of doing sightseeing and things. A lot of it's very simple actions. None of them are all too complicated. But you're you're hitting these places and getting um, different kind of collections of points there's like landscapes which are like hit the same landscape a couple times for a lot of points um there's like items you can get uh and every and then every now and again there's a checkpoint where everybody has to stop and you reform up and at the checkpoint you eat a meal um and you're trying to eat the best meals you're trying to see the best things gets collect some items uh attributed some temples like lots of cool things and it's you know pretty simple it's honestly i think one of the one of the simpler introductions into like a time track and the way that works. And I think it's kind of cool because as far as the time track goes, really kind of when you think about a lot of your traditional, you know, Monopoly, Sorry, Trouble, that mechanic doesn't really exist anywhere um, in, in much capacity. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, please, Internet. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but and they will. Um, but really Takedo, i think is like one of the simpler games in matter of just like oh, it's the player in back who goes and i mean just the other day i saw a thread on reddit where somebody was talking about well it doesn't make sense why would you ever go farther forward and somebody's like oh it looks like you didn't have the player in back go next and like oh that changes the game a lot yeah it does it's a really big <laughs> part of that game and and you know it's 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 a simple enough thing to miss if you know if you've never played with a game like that it can be totally foreign and so i think a lot of these games use the mechanic and it's in a very simple manner and i kind of think it it almost needs to be because there's a lot going on with where you're moving to too right there's a lot of options they all have lots of branching paths you have to think about what you're giving up what you're so so you know i, I think takedo is like the simple entry into that side and heaven and nail kind of feels like a pretty good entry into the other side of just yeah. go clockwise right it is um so so one thing actually i want to mention too is the similarity between takedo and parks and you may not you may not necessarily see that connection, but Takedo does something kind of super interesting, I think, with those checkpoints. So it's sort of breaking down rounds, but keeping them all in a singular straight line, even though it may wind a little bit. But the idea that that you sort of end a round and you don't start over at the beginning and do it again. You keep going. Um, it's a really interesting way to engineer sort of round to round. Um, in parks, you have those four seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the winter, uh, spring, summer, fall, whatever order that goes in. While parks is not may not be considered necessarily a traditional time track because you still go in, you know, clockwise order. Mm-hmm. Once you get to the end. Uh, of that little short track, you stop and you don't get any more turns. You don't get any more, you don't get to try to get any more actions, right? 
at that point, and you have to wait for everyone else. Although the last person is kind of forced at into the end if everybody's already gone to the end with both of their little hikers. It's sort of that new school kind of time track where if you go mm-hmm. further ahead, you can't go backwards, but you do have another guy that can get you stuff in the back. But once bo- both of those people, they each of them can't go back in the same season, right? They can't go backwards at all. But once they're at the end, you're done until everybody else is kind of done. So if yeah. you jump too far ahead, you're going to you're probably going to lose some actions there, but you're going to get some stuff first. Um so so right. it it presents that same sort of interesting decision that is in that traditional time track even though it doesn't work necessarily in the way that it affects turn order right away. Mm-hmm. It kind of affects it at the end of that round in the same way Takedo kind of ends their their round even though it does affect turn order while it's playing. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, parks. I think yeah, your competition over parks is like over these resources that help you buy uh, the different. Like it's like all the different national parks in America. Um, really pretty artwork on that game. That game is beautiful, super amazing um, production on that game. And uh, I, I like a lot too how it's kind of the the competition there is simpler almost uh, because each of the spaces is get a thing um yep. it's it's like super that's another one that i think is also like takedo is uh, like the simplest of like the traditional time track and i think parks is like one of the simplest of probably the new age time right. track where you're looking at you know uh park still goes clockwise whereas takedo uh is whoever's in back and i think that those are those are probably like the two like primary examples yeah. that i think do a really good job of like exhibiting how this mechanic exhibiting how this mechanic can uh really give you some interesting decisions even if they're simple i mean you know none of the decisions in takedo none of the spaces you go to in takedo or parks are all that complicated um but the decisions there are very you know very um thinky sometimes you you can really spend a little bit of time thinking about well if i go there then they're gonna go here and they're gonna buy that and i buy that you know so it's oh man it's such a such a satisfying mechanic because it's really accessible to to pretty much you know any anyone to kind of think about it it's not super not super brainy but you can think about it as hard as you'd like yeah yeah um and and i think that kind of like another another game that kind of fits in that vibe too uh patchwork yeah um, I think pat- Patchwork, were like when it came out, was just like the game. Uh, it-, it was just incredible, really good because it's like not only is the theme just like really different, and like I can't think of very many games about quilting. Um, you know, it, you know, but so like that was kind of cool. Like, oh, you're building a quilt, and Whoa. you're kind of placing these different shaped pieces on your quilt to build the quilt, and like that's very. I don't know. It feels intuitive. You're sticking them together, trying to cover as much space as you can. Um, you get this little button economy currency thing going. So like, it's just got like a lot of little things going on and it's super simple, but a lot of fun, really solid two player game. I mean, just like, uh, absolutely. Amazing. And, 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 you know, since like patchwork express has come out, there's been like a couple variants and some other, there's like a couple different versions. Um, but really the kind of the whole family, the, the patchwork family is just like really good. And just like, again, another like core basic example of how to do the time track. That one's like a strong two player game, whereas like Parks and Takedo can seat up to, I think Parks is five. I think Takedo is five as well, I think. Uh, hmm. But yeah, yeah they, they, they see more. Right. So, but patchwork is like the two player yeah. time track game. 
Yeah. So patchwork is 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 funny to me. Um, we did talk about this in the Rondell episode, and one of the things, one of the reasons why is, you know, when we talk about Rondells too, we're kind of talking about two different things, right? We're talking about the Rondell mechanic as we come to know it, and we're talking about Rondell as a as a sort of component, right? That it's circular, mm-hmm. that it works in a circular fashion, that you sort of choose actions along this along this path. And in patchwork, you sort of lay these tiles around the main board, and it is circular, and you are sort of sort of getting actions. You can go the next three spaces, which is very Rondell-like. However, in the middle, you have the time track. So it's sort of a marriage of the two in a way. It's I would not consider it a Rondell game because you're not yep. – there's only one action that you're doing. You're picking a tile. However, the tile that you get is going to tell you – how many buttons it is, right? Uh, or how many buttons it gives you. And it has a time cost and you have to move up that many spaces. And that means you're not going to get to go again until your singular opponent passes you. Um, so if you buy you know, a really good tile that's expensive time-wise, it's going to be a while before you can get another tile. Um, so that's something to think about. And what's great too about Patchwork and also kind of awful is that is that it's a it's like a really deep economic puzzle in the clothing of this innocuous sort of uh, quilt theme, and it's really about money management, <laughs> like like a, seriously a about investment. Management. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's there. The cool thing is, though, I think it's also a game where, like, yeah, the first or the it, you know that thing. I think adds to the depth of the game is where like the first time you play, you can be like, ha cool. I'm building a quilt. And then the seventh time you play, you're like, okay, well, if I move there, I'll get six buttons, but then they'll be able to take that tile. So maybe I should go here instead, not use as much time. And like, so like you can really like, you know, full chalkboard this one out if you'd like and really get into it. But also it allows you to just play the game. You don't have to do that to play and just slap some pieces on your quilt and be like, ha look, I filled the quilt. Um, although it does feel kind of bad when your first game you in with negative 14 right. points. Take it for me. Take that's it. the thing. <laughs> you know, it, uh, we'll get into tile laying at some other point, but, you know, it's like I always think of Baron Park as being the game where, oh, my God, how satisfying you do get to fill up your entire board and there aren't these kind of negative points necessarily for having mm. anything empty. And in patchwork, it's like you never really get to fill up your entire quilt, and and it's just so such a bad penalty <laughs> for for leaving any space open whatsoever. It's it's built into the game, but yeah, yeah, I, I totally get it. Like losing points never feels amazing. So, but uh, one thing I want to mention too about patchwork is that what's really interesting as well, and it's sort of a a, a beautiful little catch up uh, mechanic is that. Someone who kind of s- spends a lot of time um, to get like a really good tile, um, if they go, they're going to go far ahead. Maybe they go five spaces ahead of you. You can choose to just jump in front of them and take buttons that equal the number of spaces you jumped. And that will kind of enrich you to a point. Um, and I, I I love that, that little addition in there uh, so that you're not, um, using up necessarily all of your buttons just to get these small little tiles on your way to the next uh, player. And I think that has to be there because sometimes you're just broke uh, and there's nothing you can do. So 
uh, the best thing you can do mm. is just jump ahead and grab some money. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I've got kind of a weird one for you here. Um, and this one uses a time track in a really weird, interesting way. Um, there used to be a World of Warcraft miniatures game <laughs> um, that used a time track. In this game, honestly, it used it in a really, like, it's kind of one of the earlier examples. Like, I, I guess, you know, coming into the board game world, you know, when you first come in, you don't know every game. And so people talk about games. And I'm sure there's tons of board games we mention on here that you've never heard of, have absolutely no clue. And it's tough to keep up with everything, right? Um, especially uh, such weird, small, you know, uh, games like World of Warcraft. <laughs> um, Tiny little but, game. Uh, yeah. Um, so the World of Warcraft minis game had these little surprise minis of each of the players. And you have a couple couple little, little different dudes that you'd fight over an arena. Um, and uh, basically your objective was to try and get into these capture points. You could either uh, uh, slay the opponent's figures for points. They would then respawn later. Or you could stand by this capture point and get some points. But it had a time track on each each character. So you had a board off to the side that had a marker that would count one through 10. And then each mini had a dial under it. And every time they took an action, you would spin the dial up based on how what how many points, time points the action costed. So certain, you know, more expensive actions, some, you know, movement would cost this much. Um, and then like a spell might cast cost a whole lot or something like that. But you had many different options at your disposal. They would just cost you more time. And so then uh, when nobody's time track matched what turn or tick it was so for on tick one nobody has a one we slide it up to two does anybody have a two? Oh, this figure has a two they take a turn and then slide it up to three does anybody have a three and every time it hit five and zero uh you would count victory points for being next to the capture points huh. so it kind of used a time track in a weird way it was just attached to each of the figures um instead of being on like a hmm. separate board um, but yeah, it was like a time track game. It was it was really neat. And I mean, I'm sure now since it's no longer um, no longer in print, uh, you may be able to find figures online. I don't know. Maybe they're collector's items. So maybe they're super expensive. But it is like one of those. that's like it's a really neat example of like a time track. And I think a really weird way that uh, really kind of tickled me because like I was looking through a lot of these time track games. I'm like, oh, yeah, that game was time track. That's super cool. <laughs> You know, um, you know, and, and it's just interesting to me because like it's, uh, you know, a lot of these that we're talking about is kind of, uh, you know, uh, I personally like to look for kind of less, more wholesome games, less violent stuff. But that is like one where it like used it in like a combat scenario and it does kind of make sense when you do an action that takes a whole long, a lot of time, you know, like casting this big spell. Well, it's going to be a little while until you can do something else. So like it actually thematically made sense. And it was it was really cool. And it was it was fun for the game, and it made sense. Yeah, I I just thought that was like a weird one to pull up, and like honestly, like a really cool. If you're like looking at time tracks and how they can be used, um, that one's like super cool, su super neat to to look. Yeah, at. It's, it's interesting to see uh, a, a very Euro mechanic really uh, used sort of elsewhere, <laughs> right? And, mm -hmm. and I think I think. Even in, in the BGG list, there's all these games that I, I don't recognize out of the, you know, 400 or whatever we looked at. Um, and in mm -hmm. some of them, it's like, it's a party game. It's like, wait, really? <laughs> it's being used uh, in, yep. in a lot of, in a lot of different styles uh, of game, uh, not just, not just Euro. And that's, and I, I find that, that really interesting. 
One thing I want to mention is um, because I'm looking at this list, I saw Battle Merchants on here, and, and that's on my list of things I want to play, and that's by Gilhova. And I did uh, playtest uh, High Rise back in the day, and, and High Rise is a, is a really great example of a time track where you are building up your High Rise empire. Um, a little heavy, but who's ever in the back is basically going to get you know the next. Uh, action next turn kind of filling in all of these buildings as you roll through this this cityscape um it's it, it's really good really really good by the way but it, i think it's something that gilhova is really interested in and i know and, and we had talked about this this is not in the networks necessarily but but that's sort of like who's ever in the back determines turn order or determines like some sort of aspect of advantage in a way. So while it's not in the networks, there is an aspect of that in the networks, just how who's ever in the back, it does affect uh, the game. And I think it's just a point thing. It's like whoever has lowest points yeah. like goes up to the top for the turn order. But obviously he he's interested in that to some degree because it was in Battle Merchants, which I've not played again, uh, and, and High Rise. Really, really put to good use in High Rise as well. Yeah, high rise is like one of those that like um, I I don't know. City building is kind of a like cities cityscapes. I don't know that kind of interests me. I like that kind of stuff. That's definitely on like my want to play list. Um, high rise, and I think I have like uh, I have I have two other main that I know are on my want to play list. You mentioned Rocky Road Alamo. You've played yeah. it. You said you play it with your daughter. Like that's great. I love those kind of games that have that accessibility layer of you can lay it on the table and anybody can play it at a base level and at least complete a game and have a good time. But then also somebody can play it a hundred times and start to see the depth and the decisions. And like, you know, I I like, I like the games that have that layer. um, And that seems like one of those games that would totally hit that niche for me. Niche, 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 niche niche for me. (laughs) I I think we might be coming to the point where we just talk about some of the games that we saw in here that we haven't played. Unless yeah. there's something that you left out. Uwe Rosenberg obviously really does love uh, a time track as well. One of the games I saw in here was uh, Nova Luna, which I've not played. And I don't think you've played either, but it but it mm-hmm. looks really interesting. Um, it's sort of an abstract. It's got some moons on it. It's got some little... Tile placement yeah, going exactly. on. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sort of some tableau building. You know, I like tableau building. Mm-hmm. And that that's definitely on my list of, of things I want to play. What about you? Yeah, so High Rise, um, Rocky Road All Mode. Another one I really, I, I think the theme caught me a lot too. As much as a mechanics gamer as I am, themes will still catch me good times. Uh, Aqua Garden mm. looks mm. cool. It looks like a pretty simple little time track game with a bunch of fish trying to build a cool aquarium. Um, and I mean, I think that's just a vessel for the scoring points, but it's a bunch of little fish. It looks cute. It is, a tra- <laughs> you know, the traditional time track player in back. So I like that, um, that aspect of it. And lots of little fish-shaped pieces. How cool is that? I don't know. It looks it's cool. Great. It looks yeah. cool. Uh, another one is uh, the search for Planet X. Now, this has gotten really critically rave reviews, um, and it's it's on a lot of people's uh, best game of 2020 list. This is one I've not played yet, but I really want to. It says that it's a time track game. I didn't realize this until I saw it here, but definitely that's something that I, I have on my list mm-hmm. of things to play. It looks awesome, and I've only heard good things. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think I have one other one that's kind of, it's been highly rated, you know, it's stuck around for a while. It's, uh, uh, I don't know enough about it, but it looks like a traditional Euro to me, which is kind of, you know, that's that's where I go. It's Francis Drake. Uh-huh. Um, it does have some uh, dice rolling uh, 
it seemed like a weird uh like a new age time track where you go around each player is like placing a piece and moving up this track and then at some point you start on your expedition and you go up it um i don't 100 percent know all the inner workings but i know that that kind of traditional euro style mediterranean exploration usually those games kind of have cool stuff going on where it's set collection of resources and you know you're trying to like get a bunch of spice or a bunch of what what have you you know and i like the old tiny map uh, the the feel the look of it so um i I think that one's one i've kind of has had some staying power so uh, I'd like to give, give it yeah, a Yeah, let's let's try to put that on our list, uh, definitely, for you and I to play remotely if we can, if we can figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the games I had forgot to mention earlier was a game that, that John and I had played at a convention, and I actually ended up picking up later on. It's a game called Raids, which is really, you know, there's not a lot to say about this game. It's sort of a circular version of Takedo in a way. If you move further ahead, you know, you're going to wait for everyone to pass you before you can go again. Um, you, you do this sort of in rounds um, and different kind of tiles come out and you're placing them onto your boat, scoring a kind of set collection and whatnot. It's a good one. It's a really, really kind of simple, traditional time track game that's pretty easy to play. It's got cute little wooden Vikings that, that go with the game as well. It's great. Um, Yeah. So I, I think we talked about a ton of awesome games here. There's so much. And I think kind of in conclusion, this mechanic is just super fun uh, because it adds some nice texture and variety uh, in decision-making to what would otherwise kind of be a more stale, just pick an action kind of deal. You know, there's lots of different ways to give the players options of what to do and give them lots of choices, but then add some heavier, cooler implications to that. Um, and I think this mechanic really shows, you can really make a game in any layer, but like with something like Takedo or Parks or Patchwork, you can make really simple decisions have a lot of weight and impact, and it's a really fun mechanic to think about. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, well, and I think I think the next time we're gonna we're gonna kind of dig in a little bit on uh, one particular game, and I think we played Glenmore, and that was really fun. Um, something that we could probably mm-hmm. dig into a little bit deeper, but I think for the most part, we've we've covered off on a, a lot of these games that really have taken this mechanic and and made it work really, really well for the space that it's kind of been designed in. You know, even talking about it now and thinking about this stuff, you know, I'm already coming up with like ideas for designs. Like, how can I incorporate this? I love the idea of sort of mixing it with another mechanic. And that's one thing that you sort of want to try to do uh, when you're designing is to see what two mechanics can kind of go together and kind of work together in a new and interesting way that hasn't necessarily been done before. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there for a time track to kind of work with another mechanic. Uh, I don't know what that may be, but maybe there's a deck builder that goes with with time tracks. Maybe there's Mm -hmm. some other way to work time tracks in that, that really hasn't been thought of before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would see a time track game that uh deals with uh making clocks um let's let's <laughs> well, really that, that sell the joke sense. yeah thanks everybody for listening to the cardboard mechanics i'm john i can be found at angry tetris on twitter and i'm aaron wilson you can find me at internet's magic on twitter and we'll see you next time thanks for listening bye